0: Dude. Hello and welcome to, to this week's episode of Juicing the Big Screen, uh, your movies review and discussion podcast. Um, I am uh, I'm one of your two reviewers, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Heller, your other reviewer. There's yep. two of us. It is a Siskel and Ebert operation, and neither of us wants to be either guy. Um, so uh, we're talking about Jarhead and my cousin Vinny today um corwin do you want to start with either one of them in particular
1: uh whoo, let's start with my cousin Vinny because i watched that first have less to talk about it okay Forgotten uh, got an and in there but i guess that's just uh comes with the territory of being bad at speaking such is life all right my cousin Vinny made
0: 1992 uh, directed by Jonathan Lynn, written by Dale Lawner, starring Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, and Ralph Macchio. Oh, boy, hey. Uh, <laughs> um, it had an estimated budget of $11 million and a cumulative worldwide gross of $64 million. I'd call that a box office success. Um Its tagline is Truth, Justice, and the Gambini Way. I actually like that one. Um,
1: That is actually probably one of the better ones we've had.
0: It's got to be. It it was nominated for and won only one Oscar, uh, Marissa Tomei, for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. The film (sighs) is about two New Yorkers accused of murder in rural Alabama, while on their way back to college, call in the help of one of their cousins, a loudmouth lawyer with no trial experience. Corwin, do you want to start here? Do you want me
1: to? Your movie, you can start. I do just want to say, you know, I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll <laughs> Fair. Save it. Very fair. I love this movie so much.
0: I love it so fucking much. I loved it when I was a kid because I thought it was funny. I love it today because I find it funny. And I think all the same things I found about, I found funny about when I was younger, I still find funny now. You might be thinking to yourself, Josh, this is a rated R movie. You shouldn't have watched this when you were a kid. Did anyway. Um, Because there was no rule. I believe so. What? Because he says the F word in it. Probably. That's probably why I was allowed to watch it when I was young. Um, Anyway, it it does a phenomenal job of getting all the points across that it would like to make. In my mind, a really really well-done comedy is the is the epitome of good pacing because one of the main rules of comedy is to when you tell a joke, use as few words as possible to tell your joke so that you're cutting down on, you know, just dead time and exposition, and the longer it is doesn't make, doesn't make it funnier. You want to have short, compact, and keep it moving. And I really think that's what this movie does. It moves. It goes along. It walks you through an entire trial process in, is it, it's it got to be like 90 minutes. Oh, no, it's two hours. But regardless, I, I, I think um, there's no drawn out part of this in any single facet. I think the comedy is wonderful. Um, I think everyone played their part without being. I think everyone played their part in a relatively caricatured way without being so audacious that you're like, ah, oh, this guy doesn't exist, because it's like, no, no, like I've I've definitely seen this guy. Oh, I, I know this guy. Um, but <laughs> uh, outside of one character that I'll get to, <laughs> there's one character in this movie I truly hate. Um, but I, I, which character? I have no qualms, major qualms with this film at all, and I. It, I find it to be so endearing. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to talk more about it. Corwin, you're up.
1: Uh, man, I mean, I I want to say that I do love this movie, but at the same time I respect the hell out of this movie. Um, they show this in legal courses at Penn State. They show it in legal courses at you know most law schools because... <laughs> Well, and, you know, showing a movie in class is always a great way to get kids to actually show up to class. Um, and it's so accurate as far as, you know, courtroom procedure goes. It's, you know, you watch movies like, I don't name any other law movie. You know, Devil's Advocate, um, A Few Be Good, good Men, stuff like that. Like, shit isn't actually how it goes down in real life. That's just not the way it works. Nobody would ever talk like that. Nobody's ever screaming in the courtroom like they do in that movie and the judge isn't just some hot shot willy-nilly whatever this movie gets it correct and every law professor i've ever had has mentioned this at some point as being like hey if you haven't seen this movie yet you should go watch it because it's the real deal and i just love that um and i think that's what is probably one of the biggest reasons I to this day can love this movie because while it's good in its own right and funny in its own right, and you know Marissa Tomei, Joe Pesci are two of the greatest to ever do it, and man, you just love them to death. It's it's right there, and you can appreciate it every time um, because it it stays true to the law. But man, what a yeah, fun well, movie! The the director of the movie uh jonathan lynn actually
0: does have a law degree and he wanted this to be accurate and i did not know
1: that and i fucking love it
0: yeah yeah it makes so much sense and it's it it, oh, it adds so much i love it um sorry just because i'm looking at another another fun fact is uh when joe pesci accidentally knocked over um the chessboard mm-hmm. remember that yeah apparently yeah. he actually did that on accident it was not scripted
1: and they thought it was funny, so they left it in, and it was. Which is how so many really fun moments in movies happen. It's just shit that goes down.
0: So it starts, it, it, it's, it's a weird movie because it's about a murder. And those movies are usually not funny. <laughs> um, and I don't know, like, maybe when I was younger, I didn't really grasp the whole concept that, like, you know someone died and and that introduces a lot of the severity and a lot of a feeling of urgency with the small town murder thing did you did you have any feelings towards like the the fact that this was about like death
1: um, not really. I mean the guy who dies we see on screen for like what twenty five seconds um the murder itself is on screen for like less than ten seconds um I don't know I I never really so I've seen this movie a bunch of times on TV I've never actually seen the opening scene it's always something you catch like partially through the movie and just pick up from there because it's so easy to watch but I never saw the scene where they're actually in that store um, which is cool to see but like it's not really a focal point of the movie after you know they get arrested yeah they're on charge for murder yeah it's clear that they didn't do it and that's the whole premise of the movie but i never really took it to heart because of that you know
0: yeah it, it, it honestly the fact that like ralph Macchio was in this keeps going uh out right out of my head because of how minor his character is in it because the setup for the movie has so little to do with the movie um oh well, i mean it gets you to the point, and then and then the film just does what it's got to do from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so weird seeing Ralph Macchio in a movie, and he's not like the main guy. I wanted him to like go kick somebody in the face. Instead, he was like, "I'm on trial for murder." Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> trial for murder. Um. So, you know, one of one of the the, the big joking points is is you got. You got these two New York City Italians <laughs> coming down to the south and the whole cultural bumping heads thing. No, which...
1: one's, one's Chilean, sir. Is Marissa Tomei supposed to be Chilean? Oh, I thought you were talking about the two dudes that were on trial. The second dude that's not the Gambini, uh, that's not Ralph Macchio, is from Chile. What? Yeah. They talk about his parents in, living in Chile. I thought they were vacationing in Chile. Oh no, no, no! I thought they because were talking they about what are they going to cle- do? Send? A... They are, yeah, they are very clearly Jewish. Eh, there's Jewish people in Chile.
0: There's Jewish people in Argentina.
1: <laughs> there's Germans in Argentina.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I always read that as being vacationing because that man is clearly
1: jewish touche i mean i don't know they mentioned it whatever so they said the name of a country and you said yes
0: that is where this very white pasty man named stan rothenstein is from they say that his parents are from chile They say that his parents are in Chile. They do not say they are from... If they are from Chile, why would they need the Chilean embassy if they're living in New York? Uh,
1: you know. Corwin. Fucking, he could have gone to New York. Corwin. Wait, hold on. What was your statement again?
0: They are traveling from New York where they both live to go to school.
1: If his parents live in New York, why would they need the Chilean embassy to reach them? Because the Gambini's parents live in New York. This guy could be some dude that came from Chile to go to school at NYU or wherever, and now they're going to UCLA. It's possible. Corwin. Sir, I think you're a nut job. Corwin. No, I refuse. I stand by this. So
0: actually, Stan Stan Rothenstein, the character, is like, he's the guy I I hate in this movie. I
1: hate that character. I'm with you. He is fucking annoying as hell.
0: Well, and the thing that bothers me so much about him is that he's... he's, I I get everyone is is supposed to be, relatively speaking, a caricature of of something, but he is like the most contemptible, whiny Jewish character in the world, and he's just like playing... He might as well have been like, my family has their own lawyers and done like a whole big fucking that kind of thing why don't they serve latkes here and like because that's how that's how bad that came off in my mind i understand they were trying to nail in the whole he's jewish thing but like oh my god it it's like it is grating it's tough to watch for me
1: all okay. right uh, josh i pulled up the script is there any way you can contact your parents how? Call the Chilean consulate. What are they going to do? Send a guide into the mountains looking for them? And that's the only mention. of his Yeah, guide. yeah, because they're probably
0: hiking on vacation.
1: Who goes vacationing in Chile?
0: Lots of people. It's a very beautiful country. Have Famous you ever been there? Mountains? I've no. Never been
1: there. Corwin. Ah, uh, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you.
0: Um But anyway, I, I, I really enjoyed this level of you know difference in culture. Because I think a lot of times when I see it in movies, it's a lot of like why do these fucking dumb backwoods bitches eat these cornmeal slop? And then it's like a lot of the why do these New York Dumbos keep wearing all this leather and talking gobbledygool? Um, and instead they both like thought the other one was kind of off, but they're both looking to be like about it. Like you know they were at the restaurant and they ate the grits and they learned about the grits and they enjoyed the grits and. And no one, and they they joked about uh, uh, Joe Pesci's accent, but they didn't degrade the accent. And I, I, I appreciated how they. There was an acknowledgement that the other one thought the other one was kind of off, but they were still a wholesome and welcoming bunch. Because I, th- I, I, I think it keeps it from being cheesy. Because I think if you lean too far into that aspect and overstate all the differences, it just makes it like awkward to look at. You know. Oh.
1: Uh, I agree a hundred percent. You know, it very easily could have gotten to the point where it's like, "What, what the fuck is this?" Like, anyone watching who's like been to the South could watch that and be like, "This is the stupidest fucking thing ever." Like, what the hell? This is like not even close to being accurate. Josh, I'm here. I was oh, okay. confused by your point, but I'm here. Well, like, have you ever been to the south? Um do do uh y- yes.
0: I've been to I've been as south as Virginia. I've been to Florida, but I don't think Naples counts as the
1: south. So, uh yeah, I would agree that there are some places in Florida that definitely would count as the south, but like the retirement village type stuff is not exactly the South they refer to in this. But it's like a point where it easily could have gotten super cheesy with how they portray the South itself, people in the South, and everything else that is involved with, you know, the portrayal of the culture and people that are down there. And I think they the way they portrayed it as still good people with some, you know, some shitheads, but by all means are relatively harmless was a good way of not making it too cheesy. And then the same thing I think goes
0: for for Pesci and Tomei because they're wearing, like, very loud New York, you know, or, like, East Coast outfits. But at the same time, like, I'm looking at, like, what Marissa Tomei is wearing and I'm going, like, that's still a cool fucking outfit, though. Like, you know, like, I get that they're like really hamming up how loud she's being with, with how she's dressing to like really drive home the point that she's a big city girl. But at the same time, it's like, those are still some, you know, that's not just like big hair for the sake of big hair. That's not just loud clothes for the sake of loud clothes. Like, this is, this is a good, like that, that, that's, that's a fucking nice fucking outfit right there. So uh, like, she, yeah.
1: She's <clears throat> had some other outfits in there that are awesome just because like they are. Like, the one, like, bodysuit that she wears that's, like, super... I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Way to go, Marissa Tomei. Well, I guess let's talk about her, because, oh my god, she's so good in this movie. I love that woman. She is she's amazing. She
0: steals the scene, every scene she's in, in the best way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they don't... And I, I I guess the uh, one of the like overarching points I'm getting at is like they don't overdo any single aspect of anything, so you never like get it never gets cringy and it never gets tired. Like if the Marisa Tomei was in every scene of this movie, I think at some point we would have gotten tired of her. Mm -hmm. um, Only because how much can one character who has like a bigger non-plot driven personality going to do? And and she's not. She is in a lot of scenes for a supporting role in the best possible way. And I think that quantity of Marissa Tomei hit the fucking spot. Yeah, um, absolutely. She was like loud and sassy, but she was always right. <laughs> and She was constantly trying to find ways to be helpful and productive instead of just being like, like a peanut gallery, like give him shit in the background while reading a magazine and then moving on. You know, she wasn't, she wasn't just there for chirps. She also, like, you know, she helps solve the case in the big climactic scene at the end. Um, but the fact that she gets to be, like, loud and sassy while also being constantly right and exceedingly helpful um, made mm-hmm. her character just the fucking best.
1: I am with you. Uh, it doesn't hurt that she is one of the most attractive people I've ever seen in my life.
0: I know. I can't believe she likes short, stocky, bald men. Who's she married to? That was a Seinfeld reference. Uh, I am George, dude. I'm brutally disappointed in you.
1: I know. I even watched Seinfeld last night, and I still didn't get the reference.
0: She loves short, stocky, bald men. Stocky? I added that one in.
1: (laughs) Oh, George,
0: George, George, George oh george George Costanza is my entire being um in life Any, anyway, um oh yeah, she's she's the best <laughs> um, and I guess let's let's pivot over to to her her counterpart in the film Joe pesci.
1: um
0: what make you of Joe Pesci in this movie?
1: Uh, he was very much Joe Pesci, you know. Uh, that's not a complaint, that's just the fact that he was Joe Pesci, but man, he played a fantastic character of just exactly who we, who we would imagine a New York, Italian, uber-Italian lawyer who is only a lawyer by the bare, you know, the roughest definition of the word would be, but who's just natural skill overcomes complete lack of experience, which is by all means non-existent.
0: Yeah. I, I was going to say on basically the same thing. Like in my mind, this movie is if you took real actual 1992 Joe Pesci <laughs> and put him in real actual Alabama and told him to go solve this case, this is about what would have happened. <laughs> this, this is a stone's throw away from being a documentary.
1: Um, I am the only thing that I didn't like about his character was like, okay, you go to law school, sure it's not you know the best law school in the world, and you take the bar exam six times and are studying for it for six years, but you don't know what discovery is, and you don't know like, hey, you should wear a suit in the courtroom because that's how that works. Like, there was some of it that was just like, I almost struggle to understand how he wouldn't have picked up on some of these things beforehand.
0: Yeah, it it's tough to say, only because I don't know what actually, like, is in the bar, and what they actually, like, actually teach you, because his rationale for it was, like, if that's how it was, understandable, like, his rationale for not knowing what Discovery was is, like... like that's a court procedure thing and your law firm is supposed to teach you court procedure things, which I think would then translate to the idea of your law classes teaching you specifically about laws and not about procedures. But my one friend that actually went to law school, like, she had to take a court procedures class. Um, at the same time, I though, I not go to law movie...
1: school and I had to take a court procedures class. But did you really? Yeah. At high school or college? College. I took a bunch of law classes because I thought oh. I wanted to go to law school.
0: Uh I had one law class, but our law professor just talk always talked about his divorce, and it was really sad. That
1: that does sound really sad.
0: Like he managed to bring every law we talked about back to his divorce. <laughs> so you know, and be like, and you know, when uh, when when companies merge, they have to do, which is like my wife and I had merged in our union, and then had, uh, had to uh, figure out a, a, a dissolvement after, uh, after we decided we to start the process of filing for divorce. Uh, and like everything, everything, everything came back to his divorce. Was, and he was like sixty-five, and like this was all he had. And it was sad. Oh, I feel, I feel for that man. I don't. He kind of sucked. I, I'm, I'm happy for his ex-wife. Anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I I do find the fact that he really went down <laughs> to go try a murder case with nothing but a leather
1: jacket hilarious. <laughs> like didn't even bring a suit. No. Probably didn't own a suit.
0: Cuz to me that's like that's not even not knowing court procedure. That's like I've never watched a lawyer show. <laughs> I've never even watched a lawyer movie. <laughs> They wear whatever they want, or it's the whole thing like this is a fancy suit. I bought this suit for a lot of money, and that's not how it works.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: I, uh, I remember I remember also back in college when my econ professor was a huge hockey fan, uh, and he wore his range is this one game worn Henrik Lundqvist jersey around every now and then. And he was very proud of the jersey, and one of uh, and his boss gave him shit. The, the dean of the college of business gave him shit. He was like, "Alex, you can't keep wearing hockey jerseys to work. You have to wear something nicer." And my professor was like, "I bet you my jersey costs more than your suit." And he was right because it was a game-worn Henrik Lunquist jersey. That's very expensive. <laughs> um, and then he yeah. got to keep, then he got to keep wearing the jersey around. Um, but a jersey. Is not a suit No matter how much you pay for it And a leather jacket Is not a suit No matter how much you pay for it
1: Uh Yeah, I mean granted You can have a leather suit That's not what he was wearing That's for sure No,
0: no That that was the world's most 1990s apparel ever Um And I was here for it What did you think of, um, uh, uh, what's his fucking name? The judge.
1: Uh, Herman Munster. Chamberlain Holler. Herman Munster. Fred Gwynn. Herman Munster. Herman Munster. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I cannot watch this movie and take away, like, the image of him being Herman Munster when he talks and is just present. Um, But I do really like him in this, you know, the Yale-educated southern judge who is very by the book, very exact, but also very understanding when it comes to the idea that while Pesci is very far from what would be considered a, you know, polished courtroom lawyer, the talent and intelligence to win this kind of case with the information and experience on hand. The fact that he is accepting of that, well, I guess he doesn't know about the experience because the whole point is Tomei lied about it and got his judge friend to send that letter. So I still like him because he he respects Pesci for winning the case with that intelligence. And you can see his kind of temperament and um, uh, what what what, am, what phrase am I looking for? Basically, how he views Pesci once he sees that he's going, you know, outside the box and breaking down the prosecution's case, and basically proving these guys innocent when, by all means, they should be guilty. All evidence points to them being guilty. Uh, that respect, I, I can appreciate his character's growth there, or at least change throughout the film
0: I, I i definitely love his demeanor he's not because again this film balanced things really well like like the 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 judge holler character could have very much so been like an old old southern tyrant you know and just been mm-hmm. all like no y'all can't do that down to my courthouse yeah now that's and a it, statement and instead, he was just like, uh, what's your qualifications, man? How, uh, how long have you been practicing law for? Uh, you know, you, you got to wear a suit here, man. Like, it's the bear. Man. Like, don't sit on that. Like, he was, he was very calm. He was very rational. He was very kind. Um, he was definitely strict. Like, he, he played like a real guy.
1: Stern um, but fair.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which, very, very loyally. Um, but, yeah, I, I love his character so much. I love every character in this movie, um except, except the one. except for the the one dude, and I also think that the guy who played the tire expert expert's a fucking dick um, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, anyway, um, in terms of plot, the movie is as we've discussed with other movies, it's like here's the thing that's happening, and they're going to do this the whole movie. um there is a accusation of murder. And then they must go salt prove that the um uh, that the that the that the Utes did not do the murder and instead are innocent. And then they do just that and just for fun, solved the murder, <laughs> which they <laughs> did not have to do, <laughs> but they're just Joe Pashi's such a good lawyer. Not only did he prove the innocence of his. Of his clients, he also found the guilty parties just to put the nail in the coffin, there, so to speak. Um, so, in terms of plot, like you know, it uh, it it's fine. It, it moves. It it is a vehicle for the characters to do what they gotta do, right?
1: And it was effective.
0: Yeah, and it didn't linger. It moved.
1: Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was ever any wasted scenes or wasted time uh it always seemed to add to either the case itself the characters or the environment that they're in and it was all effectively utilized
0: yeah i i don't think there's there's a, there's a wasted scene in the whole movie even when like like some of their their joke scenes um i i think are are so perfect because of their, their shortness um, like with with the, whole, with the whole fight with with the guy that stiffed Marissa Tomei when she was trying to grift him um, that, was a, that was amazing mm-hmm. he, uh, the guy would just pop into like I think it was in like three or four total scenes and he must have that one dude who was trying to grift him uh, was trying to stiff him of the 200 bucks w- between those four scenes is probably in the movie for a combined five minutes which was exactly how long he should have been in there for.
1: Right. And it's such fun scenes at that. Like Joe Pesci, like clearly at a disadvantage if it came to like a fight, which eventually we do see sure. But just the way he's just so quick to tear him apart, you know, inch by inch and just never really give up the upper hand of just, I know I'm smarter than you. I know I could kick your ass. You're clearly a dumbass. I'm just going to work you. And th- they were so fun. What is that? A 20 wrapped around a bunch of ones? Get out of here.
0: I I especially love when uh, Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci first walk in the bar and you first meet mysterious asshole with who owes $200 and the dude behind him just deep throats that chicken leg. <clears throat> oh,
1: God. I noticed that too and was like, oh, my God. Now, that is someone who eats a lot of chicken wings. Ugh.
0: Dude, like, like, there's cartilage
1: on those things. Like, like yeah. you can't just do that. I, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw it was like, man, like, you really want to eat all that? Like, you're just going to suck that down? I...
0: Like, A-rum-ba. there there's gristle and cartilage and like and depending on how it's cut, there could even be some like little shreds of bone left, and he was just like, It all goes in here <laughs> and then and then just guzzle that bad boy.
1: To be fair, they're also the kind of people they eat grits for breakfast every morning, so
0: with a with a big scoop of lard and a slice of butter.
1: I watched this with Quinn and she did not know what that was. The lard, when the uh, the cook at the restaurant or the diner like threw it on the stove, and just having to explain to her what lard was was horrifying.
0: Yeah, it's uh, there's 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 a reason certain parts of the country used it, and there's a reason most parts of the country no longer use it. Right? Yeah. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh shall we move on to ratings and reviews sure all right uh i guess since this was my movie i will start um i love this movie so much i love it love it love it uh, it's two hours which is again astonishing to me because it feels like it's like honestly it, it feels like i'm watching something for like 45 minutes this thing flies by for me personally mm-hmm. speaking um i love the plot I think it's small and it's exactly what it should be. I think the jokes are effective and continues continue to be funny the entire way through. I, I have seen this movie so many times. This is a movie that was like always on TNT or AMC when I was a kid and maintains um, this level of enjoyment for me throughout who knows how many watches. Um, in terms of comedy, and I want to be very specific and deliberate in, in my saying of that, in terms of comedy movies, I give this a 5 out of 5. Um, because with, with movies like, like this, uh, I like to think of them on a different scale. If we're talking about these in terms of like the general movie conversation that like out of all films ever made, I'll probably give it more like a four out of five. But if we're talking comedy movies, I don't get how you can be more efficient, more enjoyable uh, and And more just well done for what it's trying to do than this film is, so take those two numbers as you as you see fit, but that is
1: where I'm gonna stand on it Corwin uh, I can't really disagree with what you said. I don't know if I'd give it a five out of five for comedies just because i don't know i I really don't know that's that's a broad state or that's a a very um that's a very particular group of films that I would give a five out of five to that are, you know, comedies. Um, so I don't know if I'd go that far, that far. I will say, you know, I'd love the use of like all the Dutch angles that they would use in the sheriff's office. And uh, when dealing with the guys of authority, the people of authority in this film, um, it, it was really nice to see them use that effectively throughout. Um, I just want to mention one of my favorite scenes. Probably my favorite scene is when they're sleeping in the hunting cabin. The screecher owl is going off in the middle of the night, and Joe Pesci just busts through the front door in his leather jacket, skivvies, high-top, pure white sneakers, and just unloads a six-shooter out the door just into the woods and then just struts right back on inside with the owl just staring at him in the foreground. That's one of the funniest scenes in film. It is so perfect. Um, Man, I just... It's a great movie. There's nothing inherently that I would ever change. Again, I love the accuracy and, you know, legal precision with how they portray this. It's tough to give it a five out of five. It just... I don't know if it has that over-the-top X factor that, you know, would... Make me that would force me to give it a five, so I'm going to give it a four and a half overall.
0: All right, love to hear it. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say about it, so I guess let's jump on over to our other film of the week, and that is 2005's Jarhead. Um, it was directed by Sam Mendes. It was written as a screenplay by William Broyles Jr. And as a book by Anthony Swafford, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Jamie Foxx, and Lucas Black, um, this film had an estimated budget of $72 million. Jesus, I guess that makes sense, but wow. Um, Doesn't it? it? Well, there's a lot of explosions in pyrotechnics and and military-style equipment, so I'd assume that has to come from somewhere. Um an cumulative worldwide gross of ninety-seven million dollars, so it made its money back. But this isn't what I would call a smashing success. Um, the tagline for this is "Every man fights his own war." I think this too makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It has I think no that's major. A good one. I think that's a good one too. Um, it has no major award nominations nor wins. It is about a. It is a psychological study of operations. Desert Shield and Desert Storm during the Gulf War through the eyes of a U.S. Marine sniper who struggles to cope with the possibility his girlfriend may be cheating on him back
1: home. Corwin, what do you think of this movie? Uh, spoiler alert: She is uh, definitely fucking some Jodis. Um, I I love this movie. You know, I, I've talked about you know how into military history and the military I was growing up and you know, thinking that was going to be my career choice. I love this. This is one of my favorites. Um, I think it is such an excellent portrayal of the realities of modern war and the mental strains that it puts on the people that serve and just the absolute foo bar that is the American military today, um, even though this was... 30 years ago at this point. Wow, that it doesn't feel it. Um it doesn't feel it. I wasn't even fucking alive for the first or the second Gulf War. Like, what the fuck am I talking about? Um But man, I just love it. I love Jake Gyllenhaal on this. I love Jamie Foxx in this. I love just the way they shoot this film, the way the story unfolds and everything about this. I, I think this is by all means uh, a film that should be held in the same category, the same reverence that we hold a film like Saving Private Ryan or, you know, Black Hawk Down or one of those war films that is considered, you know, uh, a true classic. You know, I'm not going to put in the category of, like, Apocalypse Now because, you know, I'm so personally biased with that film. Um but i think this is just a a work of perfection oh yeah i i know i love this film i have no complaints about this film um i i just i would you know what we're going to get into it but this is fantastic so i'd love to hear your thoughts
0: i do not like this movie
1: <laughs> that's fine um it only hurts a lot
0: i think this is only my second time seeing i I think I watched it back in, in high school. Um not like in that age, not like in my high school. Um mm-hmm. and I remembered not being a fan back then, but also like who gives a shit what your opinions are when you're 16? Nobody should. Um absolutely not. But it still didn't hit with me. Um I think Jake Gyllenhaal did a really good job with his role. Um, and I don't think there was anything necessarily like to say like bad acting. I just didn't care what was happening at any point during the movie.
1: Can you say that again?
0: I didn't care what was happening at any point during the movie. Wow. Okay. I I didn't care for the storytelling the way that they chose to actually go about. Getting into these people and characters' dilemmas, I found their dilemmas to be interesting, but also surface levelly discussed. and that's not exactly how you would say that, but like that's what I'm going with. Um, Can you go into that further? i it 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 shows that he has a problem with everything that has to do with military life. But it's so much more show than tell. And that's only going to get you so deep into that conversation, especially when they're keep trying to advance the plot along with that, or at least advance uh, advanced throughout the timeline of the Gulf, uh, Gulf war. Um, and so it doesn't really even let you sit for too long in the emotion that's being shown on the screen before it just starts tap dancing over to the next thing they got to show you. And I don't think that's the way to do this if I was making this movie. And I've said this before about other movies. I think there is a better movie in this movie than what ultimately gets on the screen because I really like all the ideas presented in this movie, but I don't think they are presented in the most optimal optimal way for them to be received ultimately. So
1: what would you change about it?
0: I would either focus. On, well, so that's the. Oh my goodness, this is a, That's a tough question. I would try to get more, and I don't know how I would do it exactly because mental movies are tougher to do because, like this, I'll put it this way: this is very clearly a book. Right. This is so clearly a book because everything that they're not telling you. Is something that would have been by not telling you. I mean, like internal dialogue, actual details of the the mental struggle that you would usually get via word is really really tough to get in film unless it's being narrated um or discussed, and that's what makes like it's like Stephen King books. Stephen King books are phenomenal. Stephen King movies oftentimes are garbage because hmm. most of his book books are internal character thought and character internal discussion about the events that are unfolding that give you a broader picture because there might just not be enough with what's going on on screen to fully convey to you what that character is feeling and that's what I think this movie suffers from and again that's not a unique thing in terms of translating book to film it's a very common thing but I think that's an ultimate failing about it because it's so mentality based how else do you put that on the screen outside of the few visuals we get while also moving forward with the story because there is a story here. There is a beginning middle and end plot wise to this movie and that's really challenging and I think they did a fine, like I don't hate this I think they did a fine enough job but Mm -hmm. it's so tough seeing what I think is a really really valuable story in the struggle of someone of a serviceman, like 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 this, I would be willing to say this is probably more towards the average soldier than than anything. And like a lot of the the uh, the hoorah guys, based on what we tend to see of uh, statistics from the VA, um, mm-hmm. so this clearly is like a true to life experience. Um, additionally, based on the fact that it comes from a book that uh, I think the
1: author was a serviceman, was he not? Uh, Anthony Swafford, the author, was the main character in this. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, that's what I thought. Um,
0: but it, and it, and it, and, it, and again, like like this is my complaint again with like every Stephen King movie on the planet. Like, it is really, really, really challenging to put mental struggles on a screen and have it come off effectively when there's so much you can't do on the screen. And you can do in a book. And I, mm-hmm. I think this just felt victim to that.
1: See, for, I get what you're me. saying, but I don't necessarily agree with putting that on this film. I thought this film does do a fairly good job of showing Swafford's um what what do I want to say? Swafford's struggle and change throughout the film. Um so, I mean, I think this does a good job portraying that mental and just all over, uh, you know, uh, what's the right term for it, uh, just struggles that he suffers throughout this. So I understand where you're coming from. I just don't necessarily think it Fits this specific film
0: well. I so let me and and, and I f- am fully willing, ready, and able to admit that this might be a Josh issue more so than anything else. Um, because I get it in a in a big picture sense. Let all these things are hard, and I think it shows you the progression evenly. You know, I don't think it's uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it's lacking or anywhere or lopsided, but I I think that when you don't get all the things that again would have been in the book, that it's it becomes too surface level, as compared okay. to a bunch of other movies that also show similar things to this. You know, like th- this this reminds me so much of our conversation about Platoon because it was basically my same problem, like and. To a large extent, these movies are are showing a lot of the same things in terms of big picture points and ideas of what they're trying to convey, and I think I I like Jarhead more because I think it's way more seemingly looking true to life than it is than Platoon was. Um, even though I get they're both written by actual servicemen, I I I can understand the actions of Jarhead more, um, but I think that without really getting those 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 internal monologues and and internal breakdowns of events that you would have gotten with the book that it's just it's just not in depth enough to separate it from other movies that also do this you know what i mean yeah and i'm not and again that is more likely than anything else a josh problem than it is like you know I don't know, you, you, Corwin, watching this movie wrong. You know, that's, pr- that's, that's, speaks probably more to me than anything else.
1: But, right. Yeah. I really do love this film. I've probably seen this a good dozen times and I, I do love it. What is your, what is your
0: favorite part of the, of the movie in terms of like, like segments of, of the, like not like scenes or, 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 or like, you know, you know what I'm getting at. I don't have the right words for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, what's my favorite section of the film? Oh, that's tough because I watched this in two parts, this most recent walkthrough. Um, I think, man, it's tough. I I really do like the training when they're, you know, before they ship out, I like that you know, act of the film. And I really like once they settle in in Kuwait, uh, once they basically are sent out into the suck. Um, so once they're deployed and sent over the line, basically the change from uh, Operation uh, Desert Shield to Desert Storm, I think that act is really well done. Uh, and just seeing the, the actual front lines aspect of them patrolling and all of that but i mean there's a lot i do like there's not a lot that i don't like um so it's really hard to narrow it down um i I think that's the reason i love it so much is because i really don't have any complaints with this film and i think it the overall feeling and message tone whatever you want to call it for this just fits really well. You know, there's this film knows what it is. Uh there's a, a tonal focus where it doesn't try and be something it isn't. It it stays on par for what it tries to be from the start. I mean, and it doesn't really get distracted uh at any point when going to discuss that. So again, that's that's part of the reason i love it um and just i i really do think this is a, a really excellent portrayal of um all that um, yeah probably from- read off my notes and not just try <laughs> and pull shit out of my head because i wrote these kind of things down um you think i'd pick up on doing that after doing this for fucking over a year how long uh, have you been doing this phone podcast fucking too long
0: we've been doing the the podcast for almost 2 years now and the movies for like 6 7 months god yeah anyway um, um so, yeah. Yeah, yeah from from a from a filmmaking perspective uh things that usually makes josh hate movies um pacing uh uh you know just spending too long doing stuff this doesn't do that like like mm-hmm. this this is not a chore to watch in terms of like sitting down and having a thing on for for 2 hours as this this clock's in at 2 hours and 5 minutes like this movie moves at a good mm-hmm. pace it gets through it it doesn't spend too long on like random bullshit like it it just goes um like I, yeah like i again, I do not dislike. It's not my cup of tea. I do not dislike this movie. And this is not a painful watch. You will not sit there and be like, Oh, we get it. War is hard. No, you'll get it. You'll definitely get it. Like this movie is not going to distract with some weird subplot where you're like this now, like, like bridge on the river. Kwai with those stupid women. Like, <laughs> so you're not going to sit there like, all right, we get it. There's hot babes in bikinis in the middle of world war II We got I can't it. can't
1: believe like, that's still a a part of that film.
0: I know. I I I know. It is absolutely mind blowing. <laughs> but anyway, um, this 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 it, Sam Mendes directed this, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Sam Mendes is a good director. Like like this this film mm-hmm. is clearly made by professionals. Like yeah yeah. You should you should you'll you'll go through this feeling pretty okay about about things like like pacing and and uh, accuracy. This this film feels very again have not served myself but if i did i'd imagine it would look something like this <laughs> like yeah. in terms of the actual visuals and things you're seeing on the screen so
1: i can certainly respect it from all aspects of that i uh i definitely agree with the uh the premise of this where it's uh it's not exactly the happiest time in the world for these guys they're not uh going out and loving every second of their service in this um god like that's that's one of the things i really do like about it is oh my god like there is not a whole lot of the glorification of this um i mean you see it in a lot of films that are essentially pre-world pre-vietnam you know films that are about you know older, older wars or World War II especially is super glorified and deemed, you know, patriotic. I don't want to say propaganda, but in a way it is serving that purpose. Um, And I think when you see films about, you know, Middle East conflicts, uh, it does do a, a more accurate job of portraying the actual realities and struggles of war the horrors of war than it does you know parading around how awesome it is to serve and how patriotic it is and the glory that you get from it um and i think that's something that this especially does a a great job of doing um I just uh it's grounded, I think that's a good way to describe what I'm trying to say here is the film's very grounded um in that reality yeah there's there's no high minded concepts um
0: you know there's there's nothing like ethereal or mystical about it there's no like great search for greater meaning there is only an exploration into psychology um which i think serves this really really well like they're not trying to come up with all that many answers and dancing around like a jesus thing or 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 dancing around what it truly means to be man um it's just a guy like trying to get
1: by um Mm -hmm. which again i think i think does serve this very well um look at you with like an actual intelligent statement of you know describing this film <laughs> I'm i i'm doing my best man I
0: especially i you know i don't want to i don't want to shit on movies that you like oh no that's the thing i don't even like really have everything negative i have to say like i already said like i don't really have any like scathing how damn what a stupid idiot does something no like this is this is a this it's not my movie but this is a really well-made movie
1: <laughs> uh, um and i can appreciate a, that no,
0: I watch this movie at 8 o'clock in the morning (laughs) because of uh, uh, scheduling conflicts, which is slang for I kept forgetting to watch it. Um, So I don't have many notes. Corwin, do you have other notes that you'd like to just kind of
1: go through for discussion? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go through. First, I just have a bunch of quotes that I wrote down that I just fucking love and just bust out laughing every time I hear them because they are, are, to me, fucking hilarious. Um, Let's hear them. I've got more important things to do, like play with my balls and then just walks off while they're fucking building a pyramid of sandbags in the rain. I connect with that. I do have more important things to do than watch guys do that. And usually that comes down to playing with my balls. So those kind of statements, you know, they don't need to be philosophic, but they they touch you on a personal level, you know? Um, Oh, yeah. When uh, the one absolute shithead Marine is running through the showers just, hey look, it's a cock, but smaller. I fucking die every time I hear that. Um, When the Texas boy is, they're going through the oil and it first starts to rain down, which, by all means, I could not imagine humping through rain of oil. Just pure, uh, you know, un unrefined just natural petroleum oil that must be pure hell that is essentially poison raining down from the sky that you just are not going to be able to get off you like your skin is going to start to burn and itch and react your eyes are going to essentially just be destroyed if you do get it in them like you see there like that would kill i just couldn't imagine trying to hump or even fight through that but when he's there and he's just like i'm rich big richer than you i don't know why but that's still to this day something i quote all the time um and then uh what's this last one every war is different every war is the same that is just i think a good synopsis of what they're showing in this uh or one of the things that they are showing in this where Yes, this is a very different war um both through the actual fighting itself with how little actually had to be done and um the way in which they were fighting. But man, it's it's uh it's very true to life. Uh that's the I- so
0: one of my favorite quotes from this movie that I think ties into that is when like, the doors start playing and one of the guys mm-hmm. goes, man, that's Vietnam music. Don't we get our own music? And
1: I yeah, was like, exactly. oh, ooh, yeah. That's, that's tough right there. That's the struggle. Um, man, I do like this here. Let's just go through some other notes. Um, do you know what the highway of death is? Just offhand. Um, 287? All right, that's a funny comment and I can appreciate it, but uh, no. no so the the highway that they get to that looks like it was completely bombed out and it's just the charred, essentially carcasses that they have there in front of them that they're looking through and you know, uh, all those bodies and just disheveled bodies. Right, um, yeah, I got gotcha. you. That is what's considered the highway of death. So when Saddam initially invaded Kuwait, the Kuwaitis that were living there were evacuating the country. I think I'm getting the details of this right. If they're a little off, sue me. Um, But he basically bombed these evacuating civilians to prevent them from leaving. And it was just one of these criminal, truly horrific war crimes and arguably genocide that, you know, watching this again and thinking back, like it's not something that is heavily discussed in any history class that i ever took you know it's mentioned i remember being in like maybe a singular unit but like i was even texting people this morning and like saying like hey like do you know what this term is or like what this is you know even with context or like no like i don't remember reading about that at all and i think that's a shame that like people don't Know what this is. Um, because it is super important to understand, you know, why we were there in the grand scheme of things. Right. Um, but, 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 I really love some of the shots and the composition of some of the shots, especially those, uh, the lighting and those scenes with uh, the oil burning and the oil uh, rigs burning. Uh, I think that those are just beautiful. Um every one of like the dozen times that I've watched this film when they are basically in their sniper hide ready to pull the trigger and I know what's coming and every single time I'm still sitting there hoping that maybe this time he does pull the trigger before they bust in and you know obviously he never does because that's not how film works but I always hope and it never happens uh, it's just ridiculous the way that scene unfolds you know in reality, there's no way that they would have been able to be in that situation. Um, that colonel never would have been able to find their position because it's not something that's you know decided and shared beforehand. Um, there's no way he could have even gotten through that door the way he did without them being alerted or himself being, absolutely blown away by what would be some kind of defensive perimeter and you know claymores booby traps whatever to keep people from doing exactly that while they're focused and doing that um and why the fuck would he even need to what's the point like they take the shot they get rid of that you know high priority target if they're just going to bomb the shit out of the airport what does that have anything to do with like, how is that going to affect that in any way? It's not. Um, you got to spend
0: your military dollars somewhere.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm sure that is such a... You know, all these high-level officers, high-ranking officers, they are very concerned with the military budget and how uh, these things are.
0: Happening. Yeah, yeah, you, you know
1: it. <laughs> um, but, like, all that being said, like, they got a direct order from their, you know, lieutenant colonel battalion commander to go there on this mission take that shot that major doesn't have the command authority to contradict that and give different orders without orders directly from that battalion commander his essentially uh immediate uh, uh not subordinate but the ant- whatever his commander uh, and they should have continued to just take the shot because he had no authority to say what he did and command them to stand down. Um, but that's, I guess, a little thing. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty much it before we give some final uh, final uh, reviews, final All scores. Right. It's the word <laughs> I'm looking for. The, the The box score of this film? Yeah. Jesus uh, Christ.
0: All right, you just talked a lot. Do you still want to give you your review first? Or do you want me to go first?
1: You can go first. Yours is uh, different from mine, so <laughs> I think everyone knows what mine's gonna be. so
0: uh, I am going to give this a three out of five. Uh, again, I have no major like production issues with this. I think as a piece of filmmaking, this is well done. The movie is not necessarily for me, but that's not a big deal because you, whoever you are, ain't me (laughs) so uh uh yeah no this this is well made it's well acted uh it it's got a huge budget and boy does it show um i think i think this is a well done film even though it's not like in my wheelhouse so three out of five
1: that's fair i can understand that um again like i i made my opinions clear uh i think jarhead is a, a grounded realistic portrayal of you know, the horrors and camaraderie that's found in, you know, modern combat uh, and the modern wars we've been fighting over the past 30 years. Um, it highlights the bureaucracy and idiocracy of military structure. Uh, and again, I do think it should be held in the same company as, you know, Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, those kinds of highly well-renowned films Um and instead of glorifying you know the heroism and patriotism of war it portrays the unfortunate reality of just how fucked it all is um i think this does have that x factor to put it over the top i'm giving this a 5 i think this is a i understand most critics and reviews don't care for it and are very much closer to your opinion but uh, I have to be contrarian just cause that's what my gut tells me. And I think this is perfect and gets a five. So choke on my dick.
0: Uh, I, I guess I'll get to work on that. Um, <laughs> all right. Shall we, shall we, uh, uh, name our films for next week?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You want to go first? Sure
0: thing. Um, I'm going to, once again, force Corwin to watch something in a different language. And uh, and I really think you're going to like this movie, though. I really do. Um, it's a more modern foreign language film from 2010, En um, It's, as uh, in French, it looks like incendies, I-N-C-E-N-D-I-E-S. Um, um, a hundred villain away. I think you are really going to enjoy this. Please do not read anything about it before you watch it. It will make the movie viewing experience that much
1: better. Um, I, I have said like several times that uh, Alejandro Villanueva is, you know, my favorite director currently, uh, and this is, you know, I think the only film of his that I haven't seen yet, and I haven't really looked much into it. So I'm excited to watch this. It's
0: really fucking good. I'm so excited to rewatch it. I've seen this several times. It is a treat every single time. Um, So 2010's Ensemble.
1: Ensemble. Corwin? Perfect. Yeah? Hello? Yeah, yeah, your your turn. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were just saying that. You couldn't hear me. Um, I'm picking a movie this week that I am truly ashamed never to have seen. Uh, arguably one of the films I am at this point the film I'm probably most ashamed never to have seen just because of my love of the subject and complete uh, obsession with him growing up but I'm picking 8 Mile I've never seen it and uh, I was talking to Quinn about it she mentioned it and I was like I never saw that before and she was truly shocked um, but yeah I I've never seen this film and I need to see it so let's let's do it now let's do it this week uh, all right eight mile it is
0: uh, that's two movies that's both of them <laughs> so for next week you got to watch uh, eight mile and ensemble d two wildly different movies <laughs> Uh, which is good I'm glad we have such we have yet to overlap in genre so far which is which is good uh, alright if you want to follow the show on Twitter you can do so at big screen uh, so juice and I also host that. It's about um, if you want to hit us up via email you can do so at juice the number no that's the wrong one although check out the podcast Juicing the numbers cord and I also host that it's about sports if you want to hit us up via email you can do so at juicing the big screen at gmail.com and uh Until next week, uh, y'all be good.
1: Bye.